Hey, welcome to the Better Billing Today podcast. On episode 24, I'm bringing back Sherry Anderson, our in-house expert in residence on emotional intelligence, teamwork, communication, and all the tools that will help your team work better together. Join us on this episode as we dive into the working genius, the six types of working genius by Patrick Lencioni. Also, we're gonna go into the DISC profile and how we were able to use those tools for our business and transform the way our team worked. So I hope you get something really beneficial out of this episode. Welcome back to the show, Sherry. It's great to have you. Thanks, Adam. It's great to be here. Yeah. So uh, last time we talked, we we went through a few different frameworks. We went through the six types of working genius Mm -hmm. and the DISC profile. Yes. And we had talked about how to use those together. And now that I've actually been in your cohort of EQ Mastery uh, for about four to five weeks now, mm-hmm. uh, a lot, there was a lot to learn in that four to five weeks. And we're only halfway through. Mm-hmm. So catch our audience up and tell us what has been happening since we started. Okay. So we started with the context of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um differentiating emotional intelligence from your intelligence quotient, your IQ. And the premise is that you're not stuck with your EQ. It will grow as long as you're alive and you choose to watch it grow. We offered an eight to 10 week, this one is particularly 10 weeks, uh, emotional intelligence workshop. So we meet virtually and it's about an hour and a half and we literally are taking our time to allow people in the cohort to get to know one what is their working genius so just to give a little background summary of that there's six types of geniuses we have two geniuses two working competencies and two working frustrations and those include wonder invention maybe i should quiz you on this Uh, (laughs) yes I, i do know them actually it's wonder invention discernment enablement galvanizing and tenacity correct yes and so you've learned what yours are what categories they fall into definitely have uh i score very high in invention and discernment uh which makes my job very easy Mm -hmm. if i lean into those and um in our in our industry there's always things popping up that need a problem solved and the discernment to know when do we roll this out how do we roll it out and who else needs to be informed and and having that that awareness uh, has helped us a lot, I think, overcome some of the, the things that have faced us in our industry. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that that's the role that I typically find myself in. But I'll let you keep going because I also know my very high frustrations. Okay. So with those six types of working genius, you identify your two. And then it starts to paint a picture. How much time do I actually spend in my day-to-day projects, responsibilities in my genius versus a competency versus a frustration. Mm -hmm. Then if you're thinking about this just at work, so we also talked about a highlight just to summarize, uh, there is a difference between the value of DISC, understanding your personality style versus understanding your working genius. And we can talk about that a little bit further um, into the conversation. When we think about our working genius and how does it impact work it's literally how we approach getting work done and this is not limited to your day job right it could be with your spouse it could be how you work with your children 
um, if you have a project, if you're going on vacation, right? So your working genius applies across the board throughout your lifestyle, but it really starts to give you that special lens to see why and how I do what I do and where it brings me joy, right? Like the whole point of some of this is to like improve your quality of life, to make life easier for yourself and for others, to improve your team, improve your leadership, but like literally know with great accuracy and efficiency where to tweak the dials. I I have read, you know, probably 150 books in the last five years. I mean, Eddie and I might, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you know, Eddie. So we read a ton of books. This one book, this one framework has probably saved me so much frustration in the future, Mm -hmm. has made sense of the frustration of the past, and has given me uh, a really great viewpoint on how I need to structure my team. Um, If I was, you know, in a relationship, I could see the, the dynamics there. I can see it with my daughter. And I can see it in all of the home projects that I've started, <laughs> the ones that I've been able to finish, and the ones I really had to drudge through, and the ones that are not finished. And this one book, I was just so surprised at how applicable the framework is in all areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just me. I'm not special. Uh, everybody in the cohort says the same thing. Uh, Savannah, our executive assistant, who really runs our team and helps me stay sane, uh, she is able to pick up so quickly who on our team kind of fits in these geniuses just by talking with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's able to give me recommendations like, hey, so-and-so might be more able to, you know, so-and-so might be better suited for this role mm-hmm. or this task. And I think, again, it has saved us as a team so much time and energy and frustration. Personally, it has kept me from starting projects because I can see downstream where my weaknesses are going to be. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to do them, but it means I will do a better job at planning mm-hmm. who's going to help me finish this project. Um, and, and that's personal and, uh, and, and, and work. So, so that's a great opportunity to explain maybe where you see like out of your six, mm-hmm. which two are your competencies and now your frustrations. And you could just jump to the frustrations because it seems a little juicy when you talk about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> so my frustrations are definitely enablement and tenacity. So how would you put that in the context for people who are hearing what we're talking about? So the first thing I did when, when I got the book was I sent you a text and I said, this explains why. I can build a garden and not tend it. Mm-hmm. I have a beautiful v- vegetable garden in my backyard. I have a beautiful landscaping, but it doesn't get tended because I like to create and I don't necessarily like to maybe do the r- routine things mm-hmm. over and over and over again. But what's also um, obvious to me is that sometimes I have a hard time getting that last 5% of a, of a single project done. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even have to be routine. There was an artist who had this um, pattern of how this he pattern worked. of how he worked, like he knew how he worked. Um, but there was also the there's also the context of a project where um, I'm really good at kicking off a project, knowing where it needs to go, how it's going to make a big difference in our company. But then it needs all of the editing, the fine tuning. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to scrub it for errors in, in syntax and then clean it up and then publish it. Mm-hmm. But publishing our policies and our internal procedures, we probably have. of our policies and procedures just slightly not done. (laughs) They're, they're so good because I'm good at that first initial kickoff Mm -hmm. and that creation, but I haven't empowered my team to really dive in and and clean it up. And I didn't know 
I didn't know that there were people who love to do that. Mm. And that was the eye opener was that not everybody's like me. There's people that want to take things that are unfinished and they love driving those things home to a finish line. Which is tenacity. Tenacity. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the galvanizing has a component of that too. It's getting the execution mm-hmm. or, or getting, getting the project moving forward, even through uh, some motivation or some, some, some coaching, some management. But then there's the actual individual who sometimes wants to get their hands on that final detail and see it done. And, when you can see where your team members fit into these categories, you are not boxing them in. You're liberating them. Mm-hmm. And that was so exciting because I was able to talk to my team in a new way with new context and and really see what excites them mm-hmm. and what their geniuses are and start to move the pieces. And we've already made three or four different moves in our organization. Oh, yeah. Tell us some examples. Uh, so I have a fantastic manager who is high E, high T. But if I had told her, I want you to go create this division in our company, here's the opportunity. She might not be high on the invention and discernment, but she's got great ET or GT. Mm -hmm. And we just moved her in there last week and things are already just like lining up. I'm like, where has this been all my life? (laughs) I I incorrectly had her on a more creative Mm -hmm. pursuit, Mm -hmm. but she is definitely that galvanizing, tenacious person. Which is really exciting. How would you, from that, you know, CEO leadership position that you're in, help connect the dots? So let's say you do realize, oh, I need a galvanizing and tenacity genius to do this. What if they don't have the skill set? So, so they have did, the they have that genius, but not a skill set. Right. So I mean, did this particular in this example, did she have? both the skill set and the geniuses that you needed? Uh, she did, yeah. yeah. You know, with the experience she had, I realized I just wasn't utilizing her and her genius. And, you know, she's going to eventually find, be uninterested in the job. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, we look at performance, but it's like, in what context? Mm-hmm. Is it, are we looking at performance in the in the context of placement and best, best seat for the right person? Mm-hmm. And I think it's Jim Collins or, uh, you know, right person, right seats. And then somebody expounded on that, said doing the right things right. You mm-hmm. know, it's... It's right place, right right seat, uh, but having the tools to do the job correctly. And so there's the skill side of it too. But um, How does she feel? Like, does she know that it's the difference? And like, did you actually spell this out to her and with her? Or did you just kind of... So she has decision? not read the book yet. Uh-huh. And so I just sort of had a conversation with her, but I had a more educated conversation. I had the higher EQ mm-hmm. awareness. And I was asking her, well, what do you like about what you're doing? And what makes you, you know... What, what are you looking for? Well, I'd love to, to help over there in that department because they seem to be a little unorganized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've made swift progress in just a week of putting that person over there. That's right. I mean, that's really, yeah. I mean, that's the whole yeah. benefit of doing that. If I could talk to business owners and managers and CEOs, I would say that if there was ever a tool to get the right people in the right seats, this is the one. This may not get them doing the right things right side. Mm-hmm. That's skills. But if it's right person, right seats, this is probably the number one tool that I will always use when I'm evaluating whether someone's going to love this position and they're going to thrive at it. Again, give them the supporting procedures and the skills, but do you have them engaged in their genius? This mm-hmm. is the tool for that. With what you're practicing now, learning the tool, You've read the book. 
I know you listen to the podcast that yes. Patrick Lecioni has. Yes. And if you had gone as far as discovering the assessment and the book and maybe the podcast and not gone through the EQ workshop, what right. would you say is different? Like, so, has the workshop added to the insight that you're getting or is what you could have done by yourself enough? The role playing that we're doing in the cohort and the workshops give me a much more rounded view. Uh, I'll say it, it gives me a lot more insight. Mm. I mean, it's, it's just, you get a lot from the book, you take the assessment, you have some light bulbs that go off great. Um, and I'll tell you from an ID perspective, that's usually where I stop. Mm -hmm. And so showing up to this cohort week after week after week takes a little bit of tenacity <laughs> and I don't have that always. So it's been funny like seeing myself push through these 10 you know, lessons, um, but I am getting much more out of this by applying because you have theory and then you have practice. Mm -hmm. So the book, you know, the worksheets, the the test great theory the the cohort seems to be d designed to make sure that the person can apply it mm. and that's where i think we're getting the most use out of it because we're actually applying it in the company and my team that that is in the cohort with us mm -hmm. they're using it too mm -hmm. so yeah just i mean i'm i'm obviously the one facilitating the cohort sure. however i'm also practicing this in real time yeah. with my business my team and then facilitating this as a as a consultant mm -hmm. and coach with all the teams mm -hmm. in real time learning it my depth of understanding and my capacity to really grow like to digest it make it part of my dna like it's it's not a it's not a skill or a tool that you pick up like from a textbook yeah it's it's literally life changing yeah. and it's it's exponentially valuable within the cohort because yeah. we are doing like the role-playing activities we are having there's some homework but it's really opportunity to prepare for the cohort yeah. and we are taking our time to look at the whole picture yeah. of the model not just okay i know what letters i am okay i know i need a different person to do this job like it's a lot more robust and there's so much more texture to it and we yeah. get to really you know roll our sleeves up and it's i think it's fun it is fun okay it <laughs> i didn't want fun. to speak for you but it I think is it's fun, fun working with people that i don't know and actually i met brandon on the on the workshop mm -hmm. and um he and i have very similar geniuses and it's funny because when we talk about something, he and I are both responding the same way. Mm -hmm. And then we flip the roles around and I said, you know, if I was a tenacious person, I would just pick up the phone and call. And then our ET over there on the left, Josh, is like, that's exactly what I was mm -hmm. thinking. So um, it's definitely fun engaging with the other team members. Um, and the, um, the what did you have? Not the homework, but uh, sort of our, our applications. The of team map. Well, no, I was going to say um, when when we've had to apply what we've what we've learned to planning a party, planning oh, a project, yes. mm -hmm. you know, um, I just came up with this idea while I was sitting here with you, which is you should give us a list of 12 people and we should build an org board mm -hmm. or a, an org structure, an org chart for a company based on the geniuses. Give us an industry and then change the industry and then see if that changes the position of the you know people. Mm -hmm. And that way we can really get our hands dirty like applying these things. You can give us a disk profile, a widget profile, and we could start to see what kind of org chart you came up with and see why. I mean, it'd be a great like exercise uh, capstone yep. for the group to, to end off of. But 
Yeah, we might do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If not this round, maybe in the future, Uh but yeah. Yeah. That's, this is all really good feedback. Obviously you're applying it. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any other examples? So you've been thinking about how to reassign the people on your team, Mm -hmm. having higher emotional intelligence to be able to facilitate those types of conversations. Yeah. Because now you're priming people basically for at-bats and wins versus criticism or that frustration. Yeah. Right. So do you have other examples where you are seeing this impact how you approach getting work done or just even your own, I'm asking a couple questions at the same time, but your own mindset in understanding yourself, right? Because you don't have those. Yeah. I, I think what I've noticed in my, in my application is that I have a lot more peace. It sounds weird, but it's thank, thankfully like I'm not confused. As a business owner, as a leader, as a coach, as an entrepreneur, you're always trying to create opportunity. And in our world, sometimes it's by trial and error. And tinkering is the way to do it sometimes. But that trial and error takes time. Recently, I've been able to see things come you know, into our, our space and our office as opportunities or problems to solve. And my decision-making is faster. My confidence in my decision-making is faster. Because I think... In the past, I would say, I'll take that on. Now I'm thinking, wait a second. Mm-hmm. How can I look at this through the form of widget? Mm-hmm. Because working genius. Because um, a problem could be short and sweet and just needs a creative solution. I'm, I'm the guy for that one. And if somebody said, I need to babysit this process for six weeks to see how it goes, we have to monitor you know, if it's working. Um, I am not the person for that one. Mm-hmm. So we have been able to just make decisions faster. And even with, as a creative person, I can come up with a new product or service very quickly. And now I can see maybe through wisdom or just skill sets that I'm applying, but I can figure out when to start that project if we should start it at all. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes just knowing what not to do is just as good as knowing what to do. And without the context in these tools, sometimes you are still tinkering. Um, But, you don't want to just wait for experience to catch up with you. If you can latch onto these tools and and make the most of them, you can save a lot of time and frustration. And to add to that, which is super well said, thank you. I agree 100%. You've invited your executive assistant to yeah. be in the cohort with you. Yeah. So I was really thankful that you did this because yeah. I feel like you would have been at a disadvantage to the value without yeah. having her participate. For sure. So can you share some of the ways having her go through the same education learning curve that you are yeah. have has helped you guys. Yeah. When we read each other's profiles, we, we both lit up like, wow, this makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, she is not the kind of person who's going to start a new company or start a new product or any of the things that I've done. But we had a, we, we were curious, like, why do we love working together? Mm. Why do we work so well together? You don't like to do any of the things I like to do. And I don't want to do any of the things you're doing. Mm-hmm. But the way we work together as individuals like just makes sense. And so we both sort of overlap on some of the things we're, we're competent mm-hmm. at. But we are completely opposite on our geniuses. And we cover the gaps. But now we can have productive conversations. She'll say, Adam, you know, we've got these things coming up that are due. I've done what I know how to do. And you've done what you know how to do. 
we have to both like fill in the gap. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, again, just making more productive conversations. I feel like we've saved time and we've saved the emotion out of it. I don't have to wonder why I'm frustrated. She doesn't (laughs) wonder why she's frustrated. Mm -hmm. And we can actually talk with dialogue. I think the biggest impact is what we have new language, Mm -hmm. is that we're speaking a new language. And when you have, when you can define terms that you both understand, things just move so much faster without any sort of emotion. And I think it builds trust, yeah. builds vulnerability and intimacy, right? Yeah. Like you want to be able, so talking about quality of life, these are relationships we spend, what percentage of our day? Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm probably working with her, you know, 40 hours a week. I'll sleep 40 hours a week. And so then, you know, a third of my life I'll spend with these people. Right. And so now there's not, you're whether it's you or her or maybe anybody else, you're not going home with that weight on your mind. Like right. you said earlier, like I have more peace, not yeah. just about how you're making your own decisions, but how you're trusting each other. Yeah. Uh, I remember Savannah saying she felt, uh, I don't, I don't know the best adjective, but maybe confused or frustrated because you would always want to double check or question. Oh yeah. Work. She, she said that um, she, didn't think it was a good use of my time that I would check up on things that were done by other people. And I said, you know, it is a discernment side of it, but it's also some quality control. You know, we don't have strong systems that for every process that we have, Mm -hmm. we don't have uh, surefire ways for quality control, but I do have pretty good judgment on, okay, this is going to fail over here because Mm -hmm. we forgot to do this step. Um, so I love checking things out. She thought it was, she was wasting my time. I was like, no, not at all. This is, I love doing this because I'm going to find something. And that was a huge weight lifted off of her yeah, shoulders. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. how often she felt. She didn't know I liked it. You know, mm-hmm. she thought it was a, a task that I was dredging and, and that was not the case at all. And it didn't feel empowering to her yeah. either because she was like this, you gave this to me and now you want it back. So you, don't you trust me? Oh, right. Remember there's like, that aspect so, of like. I worked on something. Don't you trust me that I can do it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I absolutely can. That's why I gave it to you. Right. But in the context of like our business and our brand and our and our quality, um, I just want to see if there's a coaching point that I can bring up. And hey, we didn't do this. And a lot of times, it's it's me. I mean, I if I invent something and she's tying it off at the end, mm-hmm. did I forget something? Sure. And so it's in the when you look at the whole thing, that's where my discernment is. Tr- I'm trying to leverage that discernment. Is it's not that you didn't do a great job here. Did I forget something down mm-hmm. here? So. But now you guys both know how to talk about it. Oh, yeah. And so it's, it's it, like there's no murkiness. Absolutely. And from my experience on any framework that you use, as long as you use it as a team, it's like a coding language. It's like a computer talking to another computer. Mm-hmm. There is no lost in translation. A equals A, B equals B. But when you don't have common language mm-hmm. on a team, you can say, wow, this is a frustration. And someone can think, Oh, that's a bad thing. Now we see it in the context of like working frustrations. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm mad at you. It's that, wow, this is really not my strength and I'll get through it, but I'm doing it consciously instead of doing it unconsciously and thinking that I'm going to hate my job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Building up resentment. and bitterness. Yeah. So it just, it sort of softens the blow mm-hmm. when we have to do things we don't want to do because we're always going to have to face those 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 times are never going to go away but how do we approach them now mm-hmm. we have a new viewpoint we have a new lens in which we can view that problem with the understanding of your team in the idea of having a common language do you think you could 
stop with just the two of you having this type of information or do you think and that would benefit the whole company or do you think that you would want to invite the rest of your team and as your company grows yeah to have this as part of everyone's common language yeah i mean everybody on my team will need to go through this workshop mm. and i've called a few other clients that's i told them that hey this was one of the most this is one of the best decisions I've ever made. Mm -hmm. And it was simple. Like we meet once a week, we read this book, we take this, you know, test. Um, and now light bulbs are going off and we can apply this. Um, and for us as a service business, we're always up against deadlines mm -hmm. and it can be difficult sometimes to justify, let's stop the production line and let's go into our EQ workshop. Mm -hmm. But if you can see that an hour invested in gets us two hours out, uh, it's worth it every time. One of the things that were uh, most insightful and life-changing for me when I took the DISC assessment, uh, if you don't mind if we can talk about that for yeah, a couple of minutes. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, a, like a group of us, we weren't all working for the same company, but we were in business, in community together. We all went through the training for knowing what our DISC profile assessments were. And it literally was a game changer because everyone now had a common language. Yeah. And I used to, this is just a little personal thought, but I used to want to aspire. I mean, as an American, you don't get exposure to a ton of languages, you know, yeah. from around the world. You just, you just don't pick up six languages from neighboring countries, you know, right. on a day-to-day -day basis. So, but I was like, oh, it would be great to have a goal to be able to speak seven languages. So that's just, my imagination wanted that for me. I have not learned any other foreign language fluently, but I feel like I can probably speak fluently in five or six different types of languages yeah. in this context. DISC was probably one of the first languages that I learned mm. and it, it literally shifted all communication, all emotion, all understanding of both myself and other people. It gave other people permission to see me and then approach me where, you know, they saw me shine or saw me like struggle. Yeah. And, that's like a, it's a part of culture, right? So when we talk yeah. about EQ and how it impacts culture, it's through this common language. Yeah. And then the, the relationship ripple effect is obviously amazing. Uh, there have been obviously places where people learn this type of material and don't really understand the ethics behind it or don't really understand how to, they, they their, their concern is they feel pigeonholed, right? That's even come up in our cohort. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to label people Right. Right. But it's actually a way to let people fully be themselves. Yeah. And be seen without fear of judgment. Yeah. Um, so with DISC, it was the first time I saw that having that type of a opportunity for sharing a language could build relationships in a way that I only would have dreamt were possible. Yeah. And I would just to say, you know, to, to piggyback off what you said about common language and, and giving people uh, a chance to be themselves if I walked up to Eddie and I talked to him like a CS, he would just slap me and say, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't need all the details. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me what you need, A to B, just mm -hmm. short and sweet. And so if I modify my language to the person and the way that I think they receive communication, that's the gift. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm limiting his ability to receive communication in any form, but I'm just giving him the kind of communication he wants. Mm -hmm. And I can see that when you when you put these two together, when you put the person in the right seat doing the right thing, and then you can speak to them in a way that they love to be spoken to, either carefully or softly or directly or fast, then 
they just feel like they're heard and seen and valued. And then they love to just run mm. with whatever problem you've given them. We So we did not talk about this last time. And we are actually going to be talking about this this Wednesday. We're going to tap into it. So you have a little teaser. I mentioned the word ethics a little bit earlier. Yes. So part of what you learn through personality, um, emotional intelligence training, hopefully, not everyone learns this, but something that we teach as part of our company, one of our values is to teach virtue ethics. Mm -hmm. Once you now have the knowledge of this information, you can you can use it for good or bad, right? It's yeah. like the, the story of human nature. The What it empowers you to do is to make decisions on how you can now adapt to other people yeah ethically the reason why this tool is not a weapon right is because now you are the one who has the onus you are the one to take responsibility oh this person really appreciates it when i get to the point and i don't use too much detail yeah. they seem to respond really well if i can pick up my pace or vice versa, I can yeah. slow my pace down. Yeah. Now the onus is on you because you have a higher degree of emotional intelligence. Yeah. And that is a virtue. Yeah. And then ethically, you want to honor that person, honor that knowledge, and then build that type of common connection with yeah. that as your foundation. I would even say for anybody in a leadership role, it is unethical for them to not try to learn about how other people communicate mm -hmm. and how other people have their geniuses. If you don't care enough about your staff or your family or your friends to know how they really thrive and the environments they thrive in ways that don't compromise your own values, you're not sacrificing your own integrity to uh, allow others to succeed. That's not what this is. Mm -hmm. This is a win-win-win solution. And if you don't invest in your ability to communicate better to others, I think that's unethical. So that's just my personal. <laughs> thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna raise the bar a little bit, but it sounds like what you're saying is, when you learn these tools, it's with great knowledge comes great responsibility. To wield these tools with responsibility and ethics is to use them to, you know, push the next the person up higher and respect them and appreciate them. Yes. Yeah. And to just go back to what you commented on, raising the bar. I think sometimes people feel hesitant because they don't want the mushy gushy, right? Like, what oh, we I don't associate... want the mushy gushy either. Yeah, you're I one called of them. you out on that stuff. <laughs> I was like, nah, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. This self regulation, I don't know what you're talking about. But then I realized, oh, you know, maybe not starting another garden that I can't tend mm -hmm. is self regulation. Yes. I call it responsibility, but some people call it self regulation. And sometimes self regulation comes in the context of managing emotions. Mm -hmm. But if I look at it, maybe. Planting a garden without a, f a good follow-up plan is an emotional decision. Mm -hmm. I want something in my my backyard blooming with vegetables and, and plants. But if I don't manage that emotion with following up with um, seeing the requirements downstream and how am I going to, you know, where am I going to get these materials? Who's going to help me tend this? What am I going to do with it once I grow it? You know, is it all going to die? Um, <laughs> you know, so without proper responsibility of like that whole project, um, that's an emotional decision. And so. to think about with your team, right? With another maybe type of resistance is I don't want to be somebody's psychologist or somebody's babysitter. Right. And this doesn't require you no. to go in that direction at all. Not at all. No, nobody's uh, that learned these tools on our team has ever used this as a reason to uh, do less, be less, or give me problems and expect me to fix them. Mm. Um, again, when we educate people with the tools and the resources and, and the, the language, 
um, and the definitions of what these things are that are happening at work, like we can solve them. And if you don't choose to solve them, that's your choice. But uh, so far, our application of these two tools, um, and we haven't gotten deep into the disk yet, but we've been, uh, Eddie and I have been using it for a while. Um, they seem to make things happen faster, easier, and a lot more fun. So for hopefully anybody watching our show uh, is getting the idea that tools, you know, are definitely something they need to invest in. And sometimes sometimes we get so many options online, we don't know what to invest in. We mm-hmm. get all of these different resources being emailed to us or friends passing us a book. I'm definitely glad that we took our team members through it. I'm going to take the rest of my team through it, and I'm going to continue to uh, advocate for this group because just the book and the and the worksheets and then the, the cohort together, when you match it all together, it really is a complete picture. So I really appreciate you, uh, you know, asking me to join the group and and participate in the weekly uh, workshops. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm really glad that you are here and with your uh, assistant. As we as we close out this episode, I have one more question for you. Okay. Um, what made you choose Working Genius and DISC together, and can you use them separately? Yes. And that is what I was going to actually naturally talk about. I picked it up in in the ether. Okay. So Good Life Productions is the company and team that I'm a part of. And one of the aspects of our mission is to provide the best of the best. So there's more to us than me behind the scenes. And over the last 30 years, we have been exhausting to the best of our ability what's available as far as resources and tools and we've narrowed down the things that we think will help entrepreneurs uh, and leaders really advance in the areas of interest and and where their pain points are Mm. so we've one personally gone through all of this content ourselves so we know the we have the experience we know the fruit and the value and the benefit we also know some of the blind spots that these assessments and tools carry and this is where we start packaging them together because they marry well where one maybe doesn't have the whole picture, yeah. which I don't think any particular ass- assessment should aim to have everything. Maybe the Navy SEALs or somebody up in the upper echelon yeah. <laughs> has that type of content, but you can take these assessments separately yeah. and they could provide very different types of value. We've found that putting them together for businesses with teams is you're going to get an exponential bang for your buck and your capacity to put things together and find the holes like you're you'll naturally have a curiosity whether or not you articulate it i understand that maybe like as a um as a disc personality right like a high c like i under understand that i really love quality i love uh going through the details i love taking my time to make sure everything is correct and accurate but that doesn't explain why I am really good with invention, right? Right. And now your working genius comes into the picture. But if you want to hire somebody, maybe in administration or an engineer, right? Knowing just someone's work uh, disc profile starts to eliminate. These people thrive in this way. These people are more task oriented. These people are more people oriented. And then you start to be able to piece together those different dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, and just you know the, the the experience you have, it sounds like you uh, have picked these two because they they do like you said they complete 
a, most of the picture. Mm-hmm. And then uh, either experience or other tools we can use along the way. But personally, I like the combination of the way you've uh, married these two together. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and we are taking them, sorry. One, we are, and we are taking them one at a time in yes. the workshop, right? Yeah. We're not... Yeah, we they, could do a third phase where right. we are teaching the application of both simultaneously, yeah. but just setting a foundation like what is working genius and how do I connect to it personally and then mm-hmm. in my company, what is DISC and same thing, right? Yeah. So we're taking them one at a time and really allowing everybody to workshop the content and not just re- learn hope about to, it. Yeah, and hope to remember my letters. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's the, the workshops are all about application and mm-hmm. that's what I've uh, enjoyed out of them. Um that is all we have for the show, mm-hmm. Sherry. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is a great follow-up. If you haven't seen our first episode, uh, click the link below and you'll find the precursor to this one. Uh, and this is Sherry Anderson with Good Life Productions. So I'm sure we'll have you on for another round of these mm-hmm. uh, emotional intelligence, you know, EQ um, conversations. And uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Adam. This was really fun and yeah. a pleasure as always. Yes, absolutely.